0: From KFAI, this is Miniculture.
1: You know, I just want to groove people. I just want to have like some sort of a fiesta.
0: Oh, goodness. I want us to have our own building.
1: My name is Ahmed asid And this is a Somali poem.
0: This podcast brings you stories about Minnesota arts, culture, and history.
2: They took away my way of providing for my family. Hey there, policeman, I can't breathe.
0: We go out there and we do us. I'm Ahmed Naaman. If you're new to the show, here's what we're about. KFAI is a volunteer-run community radio station in the Twin Cities. I host one of the more than 70 shows that the station runs. It's called Sangam, and I play music from South Asia in the South Asian diaspora. Music like this. But here on this podcast, we're doing something different. We're featuring some of the best arts and culture stories KFAI has aired over the years. These are all stories from here in Minnesota. Today, we dive deep into the world of independent pro wrestling in the Twin Cities.
3: It's not your college wrestling. It's not your high school wrestling. It's sports entertainment.
0: That's Britt Ahmed. She's a reporter here at KFAI.
3: So expect spandex. Expect lots of makeup. Expect
0: to get yelled at.
2: You wrestle like a girl. He is a girl. Yeah,
3: that's
0: right. He's a girl. So, Brittany, how did you get interested in independent pro wrestling?
3: Actually, there's kind of a family connection. I grew up with my mom. My mom is from Minnesota. And so she always used to tell the story about her great aunt. And she would go with her when she was little to these wrestling matches. So I found out, I got an email just randomly about independent wrestling in Minnesota. I thought, oh, my God, it's still going on. I didn't realize it. I mean, stupid me. And um, so I went to one of the matches and they occur in the most unlikely places, like little communities in, in the dark because it's usually in the middle of winter. It's cold. It's sort of dark late at night. And there are like legion halls or, um, you know, they could be church basements. And you've got a ring set up. You've got chairs set up, fold up chairs and magic happens.
0: And, and who are the people who attend these events? It sounds like they're really rabid fans. What kind of people are drawn to these matches?
3: I was curious about that, too. Um, a lot of the people who go to these wrestling matches are uh, adults now, but when they were kids, they used to watch wrestling on TV. And, of course, in Minneapolis, we had uh, the American Wrestling Association here for a lot of years, like from, I think, 1960 to uh, the early 90s. And so they'd watch that on TV or the other wrestling programs, and you know, then they'd go out and watch this wrestling in their legion hall, the neighborhood legion hall. You also have um, you have people you don't expect. You've got uh, women that work in office jobs in cubicles, and this is their opportunity to go out and just scream their lungs out to get. Verbally abused from the wrestlers in a nice way, so that they can verbally abuse them back. I mean, it's like this back and forth, and that's all part of the performance. I'm not a wrestler, but neither are you. <laughs> so the wrestlers knew that I that I was a reporter, and you know, I obviously had a a microphone, I had my camera. I was sitting in the front row, which is kind of a special place to sit. You have to pay extra to sit in the front row, and so uh, a few of them got their heads together before the match, and I didn't know anything about this. So uh, a couple guys are wrestling, and all of a sudden, one of them pitches the other one over the ropes, and he lands on my lap. Of course, there are other, you know, a couple other people next to me, but you've got this guy that's like rubbed down in, in baby oil, and he's like a full-grown man falling on my lap. You know, my, my recorder went flying, my camera went flying, but this is like, this is real sports. This never happens in baseball.
0: Let's listen to your first piece.
3: In Midwest independent pro wrestling, the relationship between wrestler and fan is tight. Check his diaper! Check his diaper!
2: That's why right, kick him! Come on, Tickle him!
3: Tickle him, ref! Tickle him, ref! Here's an example: Brian Dorn, aka Ian the X Men Xavier, once dragged his butt across a whiteboard. On which was drawn the American flag.
1: And I was just doing this to get a rise out of the fans, and did I ever. During the match, I had beer bottles thrown at me. We leave, we start walking to the car. Now, I used to carry a big goalie stick with me. I had to use that to get to my car.
3: That's dedication for you. Once the fan throws down his or her money and wangles a seat near the ring, a deal is struck. The wrestler promises to thrash his opponent with as much swagger and physical drama as a Roman gladiator, minus the death blow. Ah! One, two, three. Five. And the fan promises to scream like hell. Yeah! I said hit him harder! It's the kind of relationship that doesn't make a lot of sense to outsiders. The wrestlers shout at the fans and the fans shout Uh back if they got a chance they'd string each other's guts on tennis rackets or so you'd think but every weekend the wrestlers put on their gimmicks and jump in the ring and the fans take their seats waiting for that perfect moment to sling a freshly honed Insults. Enough of that! I came here to see some wrestling.
2: Kick his butt! Kick his butt!
3: The Twin Cities' independent wrestling scene is small enough that it doesn't take long to get a hook on each of the wrestlers. Cody Rice shaves his chest hair in the shape of a heart. Doug the space alien tickles his opponents. Danny Duggan never goes anywhere without his fanny pack and John Johnson looks good in baby oil. But you also get to know the fans. Trent and his little boy with his collection of wrestling belts. Johnny and his mom, Gail, one of the best hecklers. And then there's Michael Pam.
1: Oh, oh, that's Craven Knight. That's Craven Knight. He's one of my favorite wrestlers. And his face is Doug. Oh, my God. Thank goodness I'm sitting the second row. Why? Because I don't like Doug. You saw what he did last
2: month. He stuck his butt in my face and I kicked it.
3: <laughs> Once he walks in the door, Michael Pam enters what he calls Michael mode. In Michael mode, he's liable to say anything. But there's a certain phrase He's made his own. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes. You mean the tiny wiener chants? Actually, I just came up
1: because I figured if I chant that, then they'll get into my face.
3: And that's what I want. Uh, (laughs) It's just, it gets them fired up. Right before Christmas, one of those fired-up wrestlers gave Michael a present. And I declined it at first, but that bag was full of wieners, and they started throwing it at me. Oh my God, everybody was laughing. Cocktail wieners, very tiny. The other Michael you'll meet at Twin Cities Matches is Michael Kunze. When I'm not here,
2: I'm the shy, quiet one. But when I'm here, I let loose, man.
3: And that's the way you like it.
2: That's the way I love it.
3: Like most everyone else here, he's got a day job and bills and a life outside. But this is his time to let it all out.
2: Come on, Bundy, you can do this. Either that or he'll eat you. Check his man boobs. Hey, Michael. Get up bounces man boobs bundy yeah. Bundy bounces man boobs oh.
3: Oh. You Better go for x-rays on that one oh. 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 Aristotle said that theater is cathartic It lets people work out their emotions in a safe setting Wrestling is like that But at these small Minnesota venues there's something more The showing up every week and knowing who you'll see and hear, the shouts of Tiny Wiener, the little gestures that make you feel you're part of something. Like at intermission when Dirty Ernie helps Johnny into the ring so that the young fan who has cerebral palsy can try his hand at pinning a wrestler. That's a perk of being a regular. And when the show's over, something else happens. Michael Kunze.
2: People that you're heckling just five minutes before, and you're telling them get out of here and you're cheating and all those other things. You come out five minutes later, and it's like, hey, how's it going? Good match, man. You know, yeah, I saw it the last one. It's, 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 it's fun how you can kind of do that, and they don't, they don't take it personal, but yet they make sure they add it into their performance, just like we do as fans
3: that thing away. I'd rather see you naked than that. Itch. This is Britty for KFAI, wrestling radio of the Twin Cities.
2: Oh! He just
0: you! Britty, you profiled a couple of Wrestlers Billy Blaze and Spider Baby. And we're going to listen to a story about Spider Baby, but tell me more about Billy Blaze.
3: Well, Billy Blaze has a real name, and it's Bill Boria. He was into uh, weight training, bodybuilding. So he'd go to Muscle Junction, which was owned by Jesse Ventura, and he was hanging out with all these wrestlers. And, you know, they they realized he was in great shape, that he really liked kind of like this um, athletic... Uh, sports lifestyle and they suggested he get into wrestling so he did from a very young age he got into wrestling and um, he's just sort of sort of transformed over the years I think he started out more as the good guy in the wrestling because like wrestling is all about the good guy and the heel the bad guy it's like superheroes and supervillains it's a lot like comic books but these days he's Billy Blaze and he's a super bad guy. So he's the one that will get in the ring and if, like, you know, maybe you get up to go to the bathroom during his match, he'll stop and he'll start abusing you with like really kind of colorful, interesting language, you know. And uh, you know, but but fans love it. I mean, fans really love getting chewed out by the heel for like leaving in the middle of a match, which you know don't do. Another
0: wrestler that you profiled is Spider Baby. Let's listen to your story about him.
3: In professional wrestling, the biggest challenge isn't winning. It's getting noticed. In 1938, that was on the mind of a Minneapolis promoter when he pitted Joe Reno against Roughhouse Ross in a ring filled with 250 gallons of ice cream. The press loved it and the freeze match wasn't something fans would forget soon.
2: Gorgeous George's collection of robes covers over a hundred beautiful robes.
3: The best self-promoter of the 1950s had to be Gorgeous George. Born George Wagner, he pranced into the ring. Amid a cloud of perfume, he tossed tiny little Georgie pins into the audience and broke into tantrums when he didn't get his way. And just to make sure he got enough ink, he invited reporters to the beauty parlor to watch him get his hair curled. Take,
0: take a look at Gorgeous George's hair now. It's prepared by Franklin and Joseph, two of the outstanding dresses.
3: Though the Gorgeous One died in 1963, fans growing up in the 70s, 80s, and 90s were familiar with his legacy, if not his name. Terrence Greep was one of those fans.
1: He's wrestling's first superstar who invented this dynamic of creating a villain that the audience will pay money to see lose or to see get beat up. Um, And he presented this overtly effeminate, parenthetically gay, and yet overtly gay, in a time when the love that doth not speak its name doth not speak its name, the 1950s. In
3: 2003, Greep made his wrestling debut as Tommy the Spider Baby Saturday. Not a big deal, you'd think. Just another hopeful trying to make his name.
1: Well, Out Magazine found out about it, and they ended up covering it, and it turned into a national story. The local Fox, they covered it. A lot of other people covered it. It, was, it turned into a
3: fairly big story.
2: Kick his butt, Spider-Babies! not cheating, okay? The first.
3: National press. And group didn't even have to take a dip in ice cream. So why the fuss? Out Magazine
1: recognizes me as the first openly gay pro wrestler to come out on a national venue.
3: Not that there hadn't been openly gay wrestlers before Greep. There were. But the difference was, they didn't come out in the press as gay. Greep's coming out at the very beginning of his career forced him to contend with Gorgeous George and the bad guy wrestlers who'd followed in his wake.
1: These wrestlers were just bad because they were gay. It's as simple as that. you know. And it was, in a way, a very lazy way for a bad guy to, as we say in the business, get over as a villain. You just wear feather bows to the ring. You just uh, you know, wear a fancy robe or whatever. Act prissy. And something that's been very important to me is not to be the gay wrestler. Although, once you sign off on that, you, you pretty much are. But I've never been, you know, the pink flamingo. I've never been the rainbow arches or anything like that. You know, Spider Baby, there's nothing intrinsically gay about that gimmick.
3: But for one fan, at least, having a gay wrestler like Spider Baby meant an awful lot.
1: He's got that classic belt right up under his flappy nipples thing, flannel shirt, the uh, baseball cap. I could tell, he was gay as a Christmas goose, though he did not look the part. And this old fan was telling me how, you know, when he started off as a wrestling fan, Gorgeous George was kind of his only role model, and a pretty negative version of gay men at that. And he kind of looked down, and he looked up, and his eyes welled up with tears. And he said, I've been waiting for you for my entire life. And I said, oh, well, that's rain. And so I got all choked up. And I gave him a big hug. And I said, well, thanks for waiting for me. And I shook his hand. I said, well, I'm sure I'll see you around at the matches. Because the key to a good pro wrestling match is knowing when to end it. And I thought, I'm not going to top this emotional reaction. So I just excused myself, and I went to the back. But it's haunted me in a good way ever since, in that when I did what I did, when I came out before my first match, when I was covered by Out Magazine and all the rest, my intention was to offer myself up as a possible role model to teenage boys who, who were also in love with wrestling and were having the same problem I had and this other guy had of you know, extremely negative stereotypes in pro wrestling here's a wrestler who's saying he's openly gay and his gimmick has nothing to do with being gay Dude, da the end being gay is not so bad kids that was it the idea of a guy in his 70s being moved by that had never occurred to me and probably was the single most touching interaction I've had with a fan and I think about it fairly often
3: this is Britty for KFAI
0: and that'll do it for this episode of the Miniculture Podcast. Support for Miniculture is made possible by a grant from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Our music is by Javier Santiago. We'll be back soon with more stories from here in Minnesota. In the meantime, catch a wider air of programming on Fresh Air Community Radio, KFAI, 90.3 FM, Minneapolis, and 106.7 FM, St. Paul. And on the World Wide Web, at kfai.org radio without boundaries you can listen also using the kfai app which is available for android devices through the google play store and for ios devices through the apple itunes store thanks for listening this is ahmed norman